Merry Christmas to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior who was born. Amen. Our text for today comes from Matthew chapter 2, we hear verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. So far, our text. Today's gospel reading is one of those scriptural passages that you hear read out loud, and then you hear the pastor say, this is the gospel of the Lord, and you feel a little unsure or uneasy about saying, praise to you, O Christ. Really, evil kings killing babies, mass murder, infanticide, and we're supposed to say, praise to you, O Christ. How is that possible? Really, the question is, why in the world would they make this the gospel lesson for the first Sunday after Christmas? I mean, Christmas, the birth of our Savior. We gathered here on Christmas Eve just five days ago to worship and adore the babe in the manger. Some of the presents you gave your kids might not even be out of the box yet. And already we come back to church ready to keep worshiping and praising this new little born king. And instead we hear about babies being killed. Why? Why would this be the gospel lesson for the first Sunday after Christmas? Well, I can assure you there's lots of churches out there that are not using this text because the pastor decided to change it. I have no doubt more than one preacher saw this as the assigned text for today and decided to go with something else, justifying his actions as, let's pick something a little more positive, something a little happier, a little jollier for the Christmas season. That's especially true for anyone who has built up their church by preaching the prosperity gospel. If you don't know what the prosperity gospel is, it sounds something like this. Life in this sinful world stinks. It's hard, it's full of disappointments and failures, but then you find Jesus. You believe in him, and everything seems to get better, to get easier. Things just seem to work out. You find yourself blessed with more money, more time, better relationships, a happier life. Yeah, life stinks. You find Jesus, and then life gets pretty good. But my question is, if that's truly how the gospel of Jesus Christ worked in our own individual lives, wouldn't that be the same way it works for the whole story of creation? What I mean is if Jesus coming into your individual life makes everything happier, more positive, less bad, more good, then wouldn't the same be true for the world? Because the world was full of sin. It's full of evil people, senseless acts of violence and death. And then Jesus entered the world. That's what Christmas is all about. His birth is his entry into our sinful fallen world as a human in the flesh. And so now that he is in the world, shouldn't it be a better place? A happier place. Less evil, less violence, less death. Well, that's not what we see in Matthew's gospel. This text is from Matthew chapter 2. The story of Jesus' birth is at the end of chapter 1. And then the beginning of chapter 2, we get the visit from the wise men. And then immediately following is our text for today. So other than that visit from the Magi from the east, 
the very first thing we hear about after Jesus' birth in Matthew's gospel is the death of innocent children. Doesn't sound like much like the prosperity gospel, does it? So again, we must ask ourselves, why is this the gospel reading for the first Sunday after Christmas? Or maybe you're asking yourselves, why did I, as your pastor, choose to have it read out loud? Why didn't I change it? More importantly, why in the world would I preach on it? Why didn't I at least just go with the Old Testament or the epistle lesson? Well, as God's people, we should hear and read and learn and know all of Scripture. Not just the happy parts, not just the parts we like and memorize and make us feel good, but all of Scripture. This text is in the Bible which means it is the infallible, inspired, holy word of God. So rather than skip it or change it or ignore it, this morning I decided we would do the faithful thing, simply read God's word, look at all of scripture, and see what we can learn from a difficult text, even like this one. And this text does have something to teach us. We hear this as our gospel reading for the first Sunday after Christmas, and we are immediately reminded why Christ had to be born. We're reminded why that child in the manger is worthy of an entire holiday celebration. See, when you try to turn the gospel of Jesus Christ into something along the lines of the prosperity gospel, and you choose to never talk about sin or evil or anything sad, depressing, or unpleasant, but just try to preach a message that's all good, all wonderful, all the time, you lose the true meaning of Jesus. You make the gospel worthless. You forget the reason why we dedicate our entire lives to our faith in him. When you choose to ignore sin and evil and treat it as if those things only existed before you were a believer, Jesus becomes more of a genie than a savior. His purpose is no longer to save you from your sin or give you the hope and strength to endure this life, but rather just to simply grant you everything you need for happiness and success. And if Jesus is only here to grant us happiness, money, success, and an easy life, we've already lost sight of why we really need a Savior. But even worse than that, if you truly believe that through your faith in Jesus, this life is going to be perfect, easy, wonderful, no hardships or tragedies ever again, you're putting your faith in a very dangerous lie. Truth is, this life is full of hardship, sadness, and loss. We will experience the consequences of our own sins as well as the effects of other people's sins. We will have to face death until that final day. So if we try to preach the gospel as simply believing in Jesus takes those things away, Satan will win. When I was in high school, we played eight-man football. I started varsity as a sophomore, and I was the center. And you can see me there, number 61, big guy in the line. I was a sophomore weighing 225, and I was the biggest guy in the line. All the other guys beside me were seniors. We were small, but we were fast, and those seniors were tough as nails. And even though we were small, the bread and butter of our offense was running right up the middle. And we normally didn't have much trouble. But one game, the other team had some pretty big and talented defensive linemen, and we were really struggling to run it up the middle. And our coach was getting frustrated, and so he ran the exact same play three times in a row. I don't mean like the same type of play, the exact same 
play, run right up the middle three times in a row. I think we got about two yards each time, and so now it's fourth and about four. He took a timeout to come out on the field and yell at us linemen and said, I'm going to keep calling this play until you get it right. He said, in fact, I'm going to go over and tell the defense what play is coming next. So they put all eight guys right there in the box on the line, and you five are going to block them. Well, we weren't very surprised, neither thrilled, when he walked about three yards away from the huddle, turned around and yelled loud enough for the defense to hear, run it again. (laughs) We ran it again, and somehow we got the first down, and he proceeded to call that one play over and over until finally our running back found a hole, slipped through, and made his way to the end zone. The reason I tell you that story is because Satan has the same attitude as my old football coach. He's going to run the same play over and over and over because he knows it works. His same play, death, pain, suffering, senseless violence. Satan runs this play against us over and over and over. And if we are foolish enough to think that our faith in Jesus means we won't experience those kind of things, Satan is going to win. If our faith trusts in Jesus as a genie rather than a savior, we don't stand a chance. If we think our faith in Jesus is just about earthly pleasure and happiness, when Satan runs his play against us, our faith will break and fold. We need to hear texts like this one for today and be faithful Christians who aren't scared to live with all of Scripture so that we are constantly reminded that even though sin and chaos and evil are still a part of this world, Scripture says so, we still know that our God is in control. I mean, we confess that we who are sinners and daily must repent and need Christ's forgiveness already have salvation and eternal life in our faith through him the same is true of our world it is a sinful broken world and yet we already have the victory in christ and as we believe in that we should not be shocked or surprised when chaos and evil and death continue to show up in our world we know that we will still have to face difficult times hardships and sadness even as believers That old devil can run that same play against us over and over and over. And instead of breaking our faith, the Holy Spirit who feeds our faith through the Word of God will use his attacks to strengthen our faith and keep us rooted in Christ, the one who was born to overcome our fallen world. Hearing God's Word, including uncomfortable texts like this, the death of innocent children, it doesn't ruin our Christmas joy. Instead, it points us to the one who is born. All of Scripture points us to Jesus Christ as our Savior. It reminds us why He came to be born. It reminds us the true Christmas joy we have, that even in the midst of a broken, sinful world, we have a Savior. I saw this meme the other day, and I found it perfect for this sermon. It's Christmas season. We love the beautiful decorations. We love to hear the children sing their songs. We love to come on Christmas Eve and worship the babe in the manger. But it's texts like our gospel reading for today that remind us the true reason why Jesus came to be born. He came to die on the cross to pay for the sins of all mankind. 
He came to suffer and shed his blood to offer us all forgiveness. He came to conquer sin, Satan, and death through his Easter resurrection. Jesus is not a genie granting us happiness and pleasure in this life. He is our Savior who left heaven to come overthrow our world. He is our rock and our redeemer who gives us true salvation. He is our strength and our shield, the one who is with us every day as we face those hardships. He's the one who gives us the hope and comfort to know even when our loved ones die, through their faith they are still with him. He is the one who gives us the confidence to know that even when we ourselves die, we will always be with him and part of his kingdom forever. So we hear this gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 2. And it is most certainly sad that King Herod would be so jealous and evil that he would kill innocent baby boys. And we empathize with those mothers and families who are weeping for their lost children. Just as much as we empathize with mothers and fathers whose children are taken from them today. But we still faithfully read and hear the word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. Allow all of scripture to do what it does. And point us to Christ as our Savior, and hear the true gospel, the truth that our faith in Christ is not about earthly happiness and pleasure. No, our faith in Christ is firmly planted in his cross and his empty tomb, confessing that he was born so he could die and rise again to have the victory over all our enemies. Our Christmas joy is that we have a Savior who gives us the hope of salvation and eternal life through his death and resurrection. A hope that carries us through those hardships and sadness. A hope that follies Satan's attacks as the Holy Spirit uses them to strengthen our faith. A hope that allows us to always and forever say, praise to you, O Christ, no matter what scripture was just read. Because we know the true gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, crucified on the cross, risen and living at the right hand of God, has overcome and has the victory over all our enemies. He is our Savior. And even though we continue to live in this fallen world, we trust in Him. And we always say, Praise to you, O Christ. Amen. Now this, the peace of God which surpasses understanding, keep and guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.